0: You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Hey, family, I'm Diana. I'll be reading the teaching text. Our teaching text this morning is from Proverbs 18, verses 20 to 21. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Good morning, family. Good morning. Wow, that was a good and loud one. That was nice. Even the sun came out now, no more rain. There might have still some rain later, sorry, I had to say. it. Um, so there's this song. Oh tambourine on the floor here. There's this song. <laughs> by this group called The Real Group. They are, it's probably a 20 year old song already, but they're this acapella group. Uh, I'll put the lyrics up on the screen. Actually, we also have it to play it for you guys in the back. Can you just press play on that real quick? Words, a letter and a letter
1: on a string will hold forever Humanity, spellbound. Words, possession of the beggar and the king. Everybody, every day, you and I—we all can say words regarded as a complicated tool created by man, implicated by mankind. Words, obsession of the genius and the fool. Everybody, every day, everywhere. by all and we're sentenced to a life with words impression of the stupid and the smart everybody every day you and i we all can say words inside your head can come alive as they're said softly loudly modestly or proudly words expression by the living and the dead everybody every day everywhere and every way Them, them, you can hear them, them, you can so,
0: that's going to be stuck in your head, probably, because it has been in mine for a while. I was like, man, but it's such a great song because, I mean, it's, you write words to talk about words. It's like, wow. Can't get more meta than that. But it's just so genius to emphasize the fact that we all do use words. Right, and the point is that yes, the matter of fact is one of the things that differentiates us from different creation. Like we actually developed language, like a very sophisticated way to communicate. Right, like etymology, the word, uh, the, the word, the study of words and languages. says that like the since oral communication, like the origin of speech, like dates to 100,000 years BC. Or more, because they can't be sure. Anyways, we can't, kind of, because we look at Genesis. We look at the beginning of all things. And we can see that there was some sort of a common language. There was a way to communicate, right? Like, we understood each other. We understood God. There was, I'm not saying they spoke English. I'm just saying that was the communication that happened. Um, And then we as humans kind of became a little greedy, right? And kind of tried to build something really tall, Something that we'll reach the heavens and make a name for ourselves. And God is like, no, not really. That ain't the way it's supposed to happen. So he scattered us. It was like this mixed up speech and things. So communication got a little more difficult. Nevertheless, still happened, right? There were still different languages and dialects and different forms of communication that happened then. But regardless, still happened. Meaning this translation of thoughts or things in my heart or mind or experiences, some way got to become words and speech so you'd get it and decode it and understand that we're talking about the same thing. Anyways, all that has happened through thousands and thousands and thousands of years of generations. It's fascinating. And if you didn't get it yet, obviously today we're talking about words. Because not only from our teaching texts that... The use of words is the one thing, like it's one way to exercise wisdom. Uh, and by the way, just the book of Proverbs itself, there's more than 90 different little Proverbs that talk about, directly about speech, about language, about words, only in the book of Proverbs, and that's only the direct ones, not even the indirect ones. But all throughout Scripture, scriptures, like sprinkle around to say like, hey, something about the way we exercise this beautiful gift of communication, of speech, of words, and their consequences, right? We're going to talk a bit more about it in a minute, but just as a road map of where we're going today, obviously there's so much to talk about in a very vague theme of words. Like, you kidding me? Carlos, great job. Um, but today we're just going to look up, we're going to look in, and we're going to look out. We're going to look up as... Observing how God and His perfect wisdom uses words and in, into like us, how we are affected by that, and how we've been entrusted to do the same. And how we're gonna look into others, how we affect the world around us by our use and misuse of words. You now we've been in this teaching series called Sophia or Sophie, not kidding, Sophia. We're exploring wisdom through the book of Psalms, sorry, the book of Proverbs. I have Psalms written here. Uh, And Ryan introduced this a couple weeks ago, a couple Sundays ago. Uh, And just the idea that yes, there's knowledge and there's wisdom, but knowledge is like, wisdom is like knowledge applied, right? If knowledge would be the what, wisdom would kind of be the how. How then, in a very practical way, do we live? You know, what is the outcome of us choosing wisdom to live lives, you know, crafted by, ordered by the wisdom that God has already imparted in this world. Uh, And there's ways to do that. So that's what we're going to go into today. You good? All right. So let's look up. Let's let's dive into it a little bit. Um, We start at the beginning of all the beginnings. We start in the book of Genesis, right? So that's where all things begun, as we know. God didn't begin. God already existed. God is. He was, is, and always will be, right? But when you look at the creation story, creation narrative that we find in the book of Genesis, there is the how of things begun, the what also of what was created. But most importantly, there was how things were created, right? So read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? And that's basically a general statement saying like, well, in the beginning of everything, God created everything. There was nothing before him, just him. So therefore, in the beginning of all things, he created all things. And he goes on to say, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face, the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Might be a silly question, but seriously, how did light come to exist? Yes. God said. It wasn't like God thought about the fact of light and then it existed. Or God felt like that should be light. Actually, he said it. And there was something to know. Then God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day. And he called the darkness night. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. Another thing to notice in the terms of uttered speech, right? God named something. He named night and he named day. So there was a word assigned to something that he had created. Like creativity upon creativity, almost, pretty much. But you see that there's a, there's a pattern that goes on through that Genesis account of creation. And this is important to observe because to understand how God then acts, meaning he's speaking is his doing. There isn't a word out of his mouth that comes back void, right? He's a God who not only created everything, but a God who holds everything in place. Like he's the only one that can say this will happen and it shall come to pass because Either the obvious ones and the ways that he has already created and ordered the world to be, meaning, if yesterday was too hot, today might rain. And it rained, you know, kind of thing. Because we needed rain. Thank you. But also in the ways that only God can do. The ways that he's been continuing to write history and redemption and rightfully so pointing back to him again and again. Those are God's ways of writing, creating, being. Right? Jesus is called the Word made flesh. It's like perfectly fitting, right? In the Gospel of John, in the very beginning, there's this beautiful parallel with the Genesis story of creation that we're just seeing now, Uh, if you go to John. It's in the beginning was what? The Word. And this in Greek is the word logos, which basically, it's very hard. I need, like, the philosophers in here to explain what Lagos is. But it's basically, like, the essence of the essence. Like, the most basic, pure form of understanding the essence of something. Like, the building block of, of the reason, of principle, if you will. So, like, there was this thing, this thing that exists, the essence of the thing. In the beginnings, there was this thing. And this thing, the word, was with God. And this thing was God. This essence was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Reminds you a lot of Genesis, right? This is if God spoke things into creation, the word of God created all things. That's a lot of beautiful correlation there. And then he was in the world, although the word did not recognize him. Although the the word was made through him, but the word did not recognize him. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right? So you think about this in light of Genesis, that we just saw these two correlations. Like the word of God is his action, right? And God's actions then just put on flesh and bones and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus went about speaking and doing exactly what he saw and heard the father do and say, because there was this perfect unity of word and deed. You see that? Are you getting that? No wonder there was like so much fulfillment of prophecies and things that happened throughout the life of Jesus because, well, he said it and he made so. Um, so we start to see how God then acts and uses words. Like you get that he's speaking, is he doing. We get the point, right? Speaks, action, creates, life. That's up. Let's look in then. So, how then have we been entrusted to do the same? To do, in fact, just how that affects us, how that use of God in creation and life, how all this, how does all have to do with us? So, that same pattern that we read through the book of Genesis, right? The God creating things and giving names to things. Do you guys remember what was the first thing that God asked Adam to do? Any clue? You can say a little out of it. Yes. Name stuff, yeah. Specifically, the stuff was a couple of animals that came. Yeah. But true. And what does that look like? God is like, hey, listen. We created you in our image, in our likeness. We blessed you. Now go do the same. Like, name things. Get creative. Proclaim where they are. Like Genesis chapter 2, we see that, like, he brought them to the man, the animals, and we see uh, so, that, uh, so that he would see what the man would name them. So like was this beautiful, interesting thing of like, and, and it says, whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. That's like a lot of authority and trust. It's like a beautiful way to exercise what God had just exercised a week ago. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't a week. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, just the, the same kind of pattern, the same kind of movement that we're called to to. It's the gift that we've been given. But don't get it twisted though, because we are not God, right? And there's a beautiful example about language, about the use of words, about the wise use of words, uh, and also honoring the beautiful stark difference that exists between the way God creates things and the way that we're called to do it, right? So Psalm 51, which is that Psalm from King David, which he penned down, right? After, you know, the whole... uh, After Nathan, the prophet Nathan came and confronted him because of his ways with Bathsheba. Um, And just looking at the prophet Nathan for a second, David goes, commits adultery, murder, and Nathan gets the word, and God says, like, hey, Nathan, you should go and confront David. Nathan probably growing up with David knowing like, oh my God, he'd go with the king again. I don't think God ever told Nathan exactly what to say. At least we don't know. But point being is that Nathan gets to David, the king, and tells this very beautifully crafted story of like some injustice that happened that gets David very furious. And then Nathan just like, well, king, guess what? That's you. But point being is like the wisdom in the words that you choose to confront a king Think about that for a second. But the beauty of that is that out of that, out of Nathan's obedience, craftiness with words and wisdom, seeking God, like how am I going to confront the king? That means that then through that, David gets turned back to God, meaning Nathan helped point David back to God. And therefore, David then pins down the Psalm 51, which is David crying out to God after being confronted by Nathan and all that. But the beauty of Psalm 51 is one of my first little things in the Bible, which there's so many. But this is like the one that I'm always cherishing. When David pens down Psalm 51 in verse 10, it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. That word create in Hebrew is the word bara. And there's different words for create in Hebrew to the act of creation. But that one specifically, it's only, ever only used to talk about God, the way he creates things. Meaning there's a very obvious difference in the language of how we humans create things. There's other words to describe that. but There's one word to describe something that only God can do, only he can create, the way he does it. So much so that it's the same word If you were to look in the Hebrew, in the account of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God, brah. In the beginning, God created in a way that only he can do. And the beauty of this is that David, knowing that, knowing a way to talk to God, knowing a way to like, pursuing, you know what? God, I can't do this for myself. The only thing I can do is come before you and be undone. Just be in your presence and you create me in me, a pure heart. You are the one who renew a steadfast spirit in me. Only you can do that. I can't. I, can, I can't muster everything in me. So please, God, you do that. Isn't that beautiful? That's language. That's the use of words to come before God, but also the use of words of Him to us. That's the power of words, the power that words have and always had, and the gift that we have as. People who speak words. But before we're able to do any of it, I want to try something real quick because there's no way we can get to the out portion of this today, which is the way we actually use or sometimes misuse words in the world around us and the power that they have to create or to destroy things if we don't first listen to the very words of God for us. So, would you? Take a second. Would you close your eyes? Because I don't want you to be looking at me or looking to anything that is distracting. If it's words that are going to be spoken, yes, by me, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they'll be spoken to your hearts because that is who you are. And that's what God says, has said, and will continue to say and sing over you Wanted to picture Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit just saying these words to you. And he looks at you and says that you are loved, and you are lovable. That you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. He calls you new creation. He says that you are salt and you are the light of this world. He calls you redeemed. You are forgiven. You are set free. That you are complete in Christ. That you are Christ's friend. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are chosen. You are saint. You are set apart for God's good works. And these are just some of them, my friends. Just a glimpse. Because these aren't just words. These are Jesus' life-given words from creation to eternity, speaking these words over you, my beloved, my beloved, my beloved. And as he does so, it's not only true, but remember that his words set forth actions. And therefore, let those words claim you. And if God says so, That means you are, and you are becoming, and it's not your work, but his. By the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So how do we go about then doing that for others? Because in the same way that God creates with his word, there's power in the words that we speak. And we can't forget that. We cannot live in this world not knowing this beautiful, powerful gift that we have and misuse it, right? So, how do we do that? When we look at our teaching text, that from the fruit of a man's mouth, you know, a person's stomach's filled, but with the harvest of their lips, they're satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is like that proverbial double-edged sword thing, right? With the same tongue we bless and we curse. Out of our mouths come the ability to build and to tear down, to to motivate and to discourage or to lift people up or to drag them down. And all because of the words that we choose to speak. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if we were to go back to Genesis and that narrative and the same thing, we keep reading words, very calculated words, very crafted words, this truth-bending words, a.k.a. lies, were the serpent's weapon, right? To tempt Adam and Eve, which again resulted into action, resulted into disobedience and the breaking of relationship, the power of words. Lies, manipulation, deceit, gossip, curses, vulgar language, all those things. So I thought it would be helpful that we kind of look into some very practical guidance. And like how then can we exercise wisdom with the words that we choose? How do we pay attention and be careful with the words that we say? It's apparently a fact that, I don't know how old this is, but it says that we apparently speak about 18,000 words a day. That's a lot of words, and not including text, because I think if we were to include text, there would be so many more. But can you imagine if there was some kind of like, I don't know, the screen time thing that we see on your phones of the words that we say? Oh, my God. It's like, how many times did you say they were like, 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 I don't know, or bat? I don't know. But how many times did you raise your voice? Or how many times did you spoke in anger? Or how many times did you gossip? Or did you speak behind someone's back? Or wish something not so good of someone. All those things. I guess it would be good to keep track. Because as Jesus said, the words that we speak simply reveal what's already in our hearts. God is not so much worried about your performance. He's worried about your heart. That's, that's where the things start. So in a very practical way, James um, James chapter 1 just says this little, like, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, right? This is yet another little piece of the scripture that has a lot of speech, speech, pay attention to the words that you speak. Uh, it's very easy to be maybe slow to speak, but not so quick to listen. I flipped that in my early 20s. They're like, oh, that's fine. I'll be slow to speak, especially because English wasn't my first language. So I'm like, fine, I don't have to talk much. But you can be slow to speak, but not quick to listen. So I think the order of these things is also important. Because I learned that I was slow to speak, but I wasn't listening at all. Like, I'll be talking to someone, and I'll just be thinking about the next thing to say. Or just be thinking about something smart or funny. Because I was too worried about what they were thinking of me instead of actually just being present to the person in front of me and being quick to listen. And God slowly was like, what do you think you're doing? You keep praying, you keep asking me to teach me how to love people better. It's like, you're missing so many opportunities. Be quick to listen. I see that you've been slow to speak, but be quick to listen. Listening is the language of love. I would say that because it's true, man. The moments that we have in front of others, I, just seriously, right now, I, don't, I do not take for granted the fact that all of you are listening to the sound of my voice. This makes me very uncomfortable, but at the same time, I really, it's just honestly, this is an honor. Listening is a language of love. I feel very loved by now for you. Um, but it's true, if you're talking to someone, pay attention to what they're saying. Be curious about their story and their life. Most importantly, pay attention to what God is saying. Because who's to say he's already using that person in front of you? Or maybe something in the back of your mind is like, God, what are you doing right now? Ask those questions. Those are important questions to ask. Don't miss the moment. Those are ways that you can start training our tongues, that you can start reorienting your hearts to what God is doing in the moment. Right? Not be too worried about... How would you look or what they think of you? That's the opposite of wisdom. Um, a few years ago, I was listening to a podcast from Ian Cron, the Enneagram guy. If any of you guys know Enneagram? yeah, It's not about the Enneagram, but it was about something he said on the podcast that I was like, oh man, this is just golden, and I'm so happy I can share this with you. There are three questions that he usually asks himself in he's in conversation with people that really has changed, changed a good bit in the way I approach things. It is, even if you are paying attention and you're listening to the person in front of you, and maybe there's an insight or something about in that, there's three questions that he ask. And if you cannot say yes to the three questions, then just don't say it. Because the wisdom also lies in not saying the thing that you want to say sometimes, right? It's not just the use of words, but sometimes uh, I, I shouldn't say that. So the three questions are, does this need to be said? Maybe you think of something like, oh, yeah, I could say this now. Does it need to be said right now? Maybe that moment, it's not the moment to say so. Especially when it's something, you know, lovingly confrontational. Because trust me, in relationship, we are ha- we're going to have to use words to, to confront one another, to love each other, to build each other up. But it's important to know the wisdom of the timing of things. Remember, knowledge is the what, wisdom is the how. Does this need to be said? Does this need to be said right now? And does it need to be said by me? That's a huge one. Because guess what? Maybe God just gave you that insight to be like, you know what, God, now I know so much better how to pray for this person. Thank you. And that's, it. And that's all there was. Because he loves you and he loves that person enough to like surround them with prayer and community. But maybe that thing doesn't need to be said by you. There's wisdom in that. So, Take it to heart, guys. Just remember those three little things. Um, but the main point of, of all of this it truly is, as many little proverbs and nuggets of wisdom are there, is that, guys, there's so much power in the words that we say. Use it wisely. Be careful. Let's not... Let's not indulge in in, in small talk that actually doesn't lead to anything. But remember that at the same time that God created the world by speaking, there's things that come to life by the words you choose to say. You can bless and you can curse. And you can choose to build on something that is actually life-giving, which is Jesus' words. And I want to invite the band back up because we're wrapping up. Um, and we're going to lead to the table in communion. But before we do so, uh, Brian, there was that last slide over there? Yes. Thank you. These are the words that I just spoke over you. And in a moment, we're going to come to the table and have communion. And prayer team is going to be up here too to pray for you guys if you need anything. But here's my desire for this moment. As a people who are followers of Jesus, who long for the ways of wisdom and to practice the ways of Jesus in our everyday lives, especially with the words that we use, I thought that would be a good idea. (laughs) Bear with me. If you read those, I want you to take a second, ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are those the person next to me needs to be reminded of? Think about that for a second. I don't know if it's a person to your right or to your left. doesn't matter. God knows. He already puts it in your heart. Think about it. God, what of those truths because all of them are true. So there's no, there's no error here, you got, you're gonna be fine. Which one of those, the person next to me needs to be reminded of? And my challenge, or my invitation to you, is that before we leave today, please do not leave this space without blessing the person next to you by saying these words over them. Whichever is the one that is highlighted for you. Say like, listen, this is who you are. And I just want to bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that good? Can we stand then? Um, do I have communion servers up here? Cool. Thank you, Rosie. Um, friends, it's very fitting that we also kind of end the table. You know, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he said, this is my body. And yes, there's a symbolism there, there's a symbol and a sign, but at the same time, all that was happening was that who's pointing to a new way to relate to God, a new way of life through his broken body and through his shed blood. So we take communion because we remember his words, we remember his life, death, and resurrection, and we proclaim that he will come again. And we'll do so until the day that we get to do it with him, to drink of the cup and to eat of the bread and to feast. Let me pray and then we can come to the table. Jesus we thank you that you have the words of life and there's nowhere else that we would go, there's no one else that we would go. And we thank you God that we get to Exercise this beautiful, beautiful gift of blessing the world around us that we are salt and light, that we are ambassadors of your kingdom to say and proclaim the things that are and the things that should be, to point people to you. We thank you, Jesus, that you always speak. And I pray that we'll be quick to listen, to listen to your voice. And they will be all the more quick to bless. And I pray God that you would, God help us tame our tongue, help us know what words to use and not to use and whatever it is that is not right in our hearts. And it's coming out as words that don't edify words that don't build up. God, would you please tear it down? God, would you create in us a clean heart? And would you renew in us the joy of your salvation? We thank you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Friends, table is open. Please come and please... Do not leave without blessing the person next to you. In Jesus' name, amen.